Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Well, good morning, church. And Don, it was amazing to see you walk into men's group yesterday and just like a champion. I mean, walking down and... It's, uh, it's amazing, modern medicine, what they can do, but uh, it's also neat to see what God does and how he restores and gets you healthy and back in the game so quick. All right, we're going to continue on our series. We're taking the book of Titus apparently one word at a time. It has taken, a, this is one of the smallest books in the Bible, it's three chapters, however, um, we've been here for about a month and a half, and we're on about the third verse of the second chapter, and we have been going through it slowly, meticulously, uh, as we've been breaking down a lot of the characteristics that the Apostle Paul is writing to Titus. This is a leadership book, so one of the biggest leaders of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the leader of the church in Crete, who is Titus, on how to raise up leaders in the church. And so he really drills down on a lot of characteristics that we want to see in elders and in deacons. And he starts talking about how the older men ought to lead. Then he talks about how the older women ought to be. And we're going to jump in here in Titus chapter 2 and in verse number 3. It says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way that they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. That's where we're going to go today. At first glance, I think this is a pretty good list for women, for men, Anyone, I know this letter, or at least this piece of the letter is directed to, it says older women, but there's a lot of things that we're going to pull from, whether you are an older woman, younger woman, older, younger man, there's a lot that we all can pull from here. But at first glance, I think this is a, a good list to teach the younger women. And then I start to think, did they really have to teach their younger women to love their kids? Like, is that, was that going on? Like, this is how you need to love your children. Did they really have to, the older women really have to teach the younger women how to be kind to one another? And it seems like that's the case. It seems like potentially there were some tough women to deal with. Husbands, don't clear your throat. Don't nudge your wife. Don't make any moves right now. Just sit there. This will go well for you, but don't, this message is not for her or for anyone else, right? Just look straight ahead. There are some characteristics that can be tough in women for men to deal with. As it even comes specifically, not just any woman or any man, but specifically in a marriage. And as they're talking about, this is how you ought to love your husband and how that relationship ought to work. The Bible speaks to a couple of these attributes that I want to dive into a little bit here about some of those characteristics that possibly could have been going on inside of the women here in the, the people of Crete. With that said, there's another woman here who it's her birthday. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Jordan, it's her birthday. Jordan, happy birthday to you. 
You're welcome. Um, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 15. It says this, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying and constant as a dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands. Is there any man out there that can say amen? Don't do it. I'm just, I'm just asking if you can. I didn't ask you if you should say amen. He says, there is a certain kind of a woman that is annoying. Isn't that interesting? The Bible's so silly. Jerry, you want to come help me preach this? This is going to be a tough one. I'm already feeling it. I'm already feeling it. I wouldn't mind having a couple bodyguard men on my way out of here. Um, it could be rough for me this morning. But they said there's a way, there's a certain kind of thing that women do. And the Bible says it's annoying and it's like trying to stop the wind. It's like good luck. Or trying to hold on to something with greased hands. Like you, you, just, you just can't hold back this characteristic. When, it, when, a, when a woman has this quarrelsome, she just wants to fight. She wants to pick. She wants to nag. There is, it, it just becomes tough. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 24. Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. <laughs> I didn't even make this one up. Mike, is this true? Mike says it's true. Not from experience. You read it in a book somewhere. Um, but, man, I would rather not even be in the house. Put me on the rooftop. I'll take a little sliver of the roof than to have to dwell in the house with that woman. That's what the Bible says. It's like, it, it, it ain't good. It ain't worth it. It's not fun. I don't think I'm helping myself, but let's read another one. <laughs> Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish son is a ruin to his father and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain one translation says it's like a dripping faucet i'm not a fan of leaks or drips they're annoying and they here's what happens is it what it continues to drip on it rusts out and even though it's wet, it dries it out. It's like, I can't bear this anymore. I'm actually depleting. The porcelain's depleting. The pipes are depleting. Everything in me is breaking down because of the quarreling, the, the fighting, the, the picking, the, uh, uh, the, the continual dripping. You're just constantly on this one thing. Should I read another? The women said no, the men said yes, finally. He's not picking on men, usually he's after us men. Proverbs 21, 9. It is better to live in the corner of a housetop than to, sh to, than to have... Oh, let me start this over. It is better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. And you may say, hey, you already read that one. No, that was Proverbs 25, 24. This is 21, 9. Remember this, Proverbs is a letter written from a father to a son. Many times he's saying, hey son, pay attention to this. Hey son, incline your ear. Hey son, pay attention. And the father is like, son, I got to tell you again, it ain't worth it, dude. This is tough. It is really tough. And he's not saying that if you are already married to this, then son, it would be better if you left. It would be better to get out of that house. No, no, no. 
He's talking to a son who's not married yet. And he's saying, son, let me just tell you, don't go that way. This isn't a license for or a freedom to leave your wife if she's, if she's got a little fighter in her, okay? If, she's, if she always wants to quarrel. That's not what this is saying. It is, it is setting his son up saying, that's not the kind of girl we're looking for, okay? Let's find other characteristics. Let's find something else. But many times at a young age, we've got a lot of young people in here. What we do is we look upon outer beauty and we say, oh my gosh, Woo, baby, I don't know. I don't care if she wants to fight. Let's fight. I'm ready. Let's, let's wrestle. Let's get it on. And the idea is, you know what, that has, that has a shelf life, and it'll, it'll move quickly. And then all of a sudden, the beauty, just kind of that shiny veneer comes off, and now you're stuck with a person that's not a fan, that just wants to fight. He goes, this is, this is tough. So the Apostle Paul writes a letter to Titus and he says, there's some things that women ought to do that would be really helpful for our younger women. As they're coming up through the church, they're coming up through school, as they're growing, they're going to be moving into marriage. They're going to be leading households. They're going to have husbands and children. Like, let's be intentional on how we want to raise up some women. So as we read through Proverbs, we've got to have the right lens, the heart of the author. He's really writing to his boy on this is what we're looking to have. When you start reading Proverbs, the, the overall feel, the, the, the um, I guess it's, it's wisdom, it's discernment. Um, but at least here what we see is there is a reference to it. It's men referring to younger men who are going to get married at some point or men they're going to move out into the workforce or men they're going to make an impact with their life and then he says this in proverbs eighteen twenty two. but he who finds a good wife he finds a good thing and he has obtained the favor of the lord upon his life and that separates a massive chasm from how you're going to live the next 60, 70 years. Because charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord, she is to be praised and celebrated. And it will completely shift the direction of your life. That woman, the Bible says, man, that, that charm and that beauty... Stay far away because she will hijack the calling of God. It's like a pit. Do not walk down that way. Come this way. This is where the favor of God is whenever you get a woman of God that has the fear of God, that lives with the joy of God, that lives in the light of God, that wants to raise her kids in the kingdom of God, that leads them constantly into an encounter with God. That's the kind of woman that we want to raise. And so he writes this letter, older women... Teach the younger women how to become this. Raise them up with a passion for purity, with the, the hope of holiness, with a desire and a drive to pursue Jesus with everything that you've got. Because although the, the man may be the leader of the home, that woman can be just the, a, a killer of the culture inside of that home can hijack that thing so quickly with an attitude, with the way she looks, with the way she responds back. All of this just underlined. She's just always moody, and you're just left to guess, like, 
what is going on. Rather than living in an overflow of the bubbly joy, affection of Jesus, it's like, okay, I'm like Russian roulette. What am I going to get today? Like, what, what's going on? Like, man, make sure this woman has, has died at the foot of the cross where she has come alive and a new person of who Jesus Christ is. Teach your women how to do this thing because it's impacting the home big time. It really does. And when I know that we can live emotionally and we can live from, from, those, from those places, they're saying, hey, let's, let's, get, let's get healthy because, because there's some, some husbands that you need to love on. There's some babies here that you need to, that you need to be loving on. And we need, to, we need to teach them in a different way. We need to teach them how to be pure. Women of Crete, come on, women of Crete, can we be pure and pursue and have a passion for purity? At a young age, King David wrote this. He said, from the days of my youth, I sought you, O God. That probably didn't happen on accident. He probably had a papa and Jesse that was intentionally discipling and pouring into, having intentional conversations around the dinner table while they're out in the field. Hey, son, what's going on with your body these days? Jeez, dad, this thing's freaky. Like, I don't know what's going on in here. It's like, I know, it's pretty cool, pretty wild. Hey, what do you think about girls? Man, they used to have cooties, but now they're kind of cute. Like, what's going on? Like, he's being awakened to beauty. And he's like seeing things differently. And the, and the father's engaged and he's unpacking his heart and he's walking him through this. And he's, and he's leading them on this joyful journey to Jesus. Come on, son, let's do this thing together. And David said, man, because of, because of how I was taught by a previous generation, from the days of my youth, I hungered and thirst after God. In the same way, women, we need to be teaching this to our younger women so that they can have a testimony that says from the days of my youth. So what kind of women is is Paul writing about to Titus here? In Titus chapter 1, verse 12, it talks about the people of Crete. It says one of the Cretans, one of their own prophets, he said this, Cretans are always liars. They're evil brutes. And they are lazy gluttons. Mm, mm -mm. That's who we're dealing with. So I'm pinning this letter to you. Men, you need to be intentional with the boys. Women, you need to be intentional with the girls. And let's raise up something different than what Cretans always produce. Can I say Fairmount friends? Men, let's be intentional with our sons. And not just your biological. I mean the sons of the house. If they're coming in here... They're, they're wanting to, to have an encounter with Jesus. And many times Jesus does that through skin. Through you. And women, there's daughters of the house that are coming in here for us to lead them and teach them how to do this thing in a God-centered way. How to lead homes, families, kids with a passion with Jesus at the center of their home. Right now I'm walking through this with my own son. I'm in the season of walking through this with my First teenager, 13. Big, bad 13. And man, he's being awakened to beauty. And it is awesome. It's God-designed. It's an incredible thing. And other friends are, are being awakened to this stuff. And I'm saying, Judah, let's not do it like how everybody else does it. Because it usually ends up in breaking up with someone in a couple weeks, in a couple months... For one of his buddies, it was after recess. It was within a couple minutes. And let's not do it the way that the Cretans have done it. Because you're constantly breaking up. You're practicing divorce. 
Let's move in a way where we can really go on a journey together and let's talk, let's do this thing together, man. And let's really understand who you are. You, you have nothing to offer a woman right now. Like she's not impressed with your NBA 2K score. And that's not going to pay the bills. Like let's really get you equipped to be able to bring something to the table. And then when you're ready, okay, now let's let mom and dad also be engaged and let's look. Man, we see this characteristic. And she's got a proven track record. This is her character. This is the purity that she has. This is the kindness that just emits off of her. And she glows. And she has spiritual mamas and mentors that are pouring into her. And she is heading somewhere. I mean, she may not actualize all of it. But man, she has this, this potential that is, that is moving and scaling in the right direction. Like, let's go on this journey together. Isn't that so much better than just say, hey, hope you figure it out and kiss a bunch of them and just like hold their hands and maybe and honestly I'm not trying to be crude but they just touch each other and they do all these other sorts of things and then hopefully you can end up married someday and I would like to get invited but I'll see you see you in a decade I hope it works out no 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 not not in our house the older men are going to be unbelievably intentional with the younger men And we're going to walk you on this thing to where your heart is going to remain pure and good and holy. And you're going to be able to offer something legit to this woman. And I'm believing, my gosh, am I believing that there's going to be a dad out there that's going to walk his daughter like that. And he's going to walk his baby girl all the way through this. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, Judah's father-in-law. Judah's mother-in-law, that you are having intentional conversations, that you as an older woman is pouring into your younger women, and you're going to teach them how to do this thing. You're going to teach her how to love a man well, how to pour into children. you got a heart for kids, and you love it. You know how to keep a home, and you're sharp in that area. You have kindness that just jumps off of your spirit. Mother Teresa said this, she goes, the highest characteristic is kindness. That they would see kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile, kindness in your being. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. The fruit of that, the Bible says, is is that you're kind. There's kindness. So the Bible says here in Titus chapter 2, our women ought to have that. You shouldn't be a fighter and wanting to quarrel. And you should, you should have this, this goodness and peace and patience and joy and long-suffering. You ought to have these characteristics about you. And perhaps you're like, man, I'm 20 and nobody's done that for me. Perhaps you're 70 and you're like, nobody's done that for me. I just want to say that the game's not over. Let's grow in these characteristics of God. Let's become more and more like him. Let's constantly crescendo to becoming conformed to the image of the Son of God. But God forbid that you would be in this house and you would say after years, you would say, there were no women that were intentional to pour into me in my youthful days. Their their goal was to have good church attendance and maybe serve on a committee. But they had zero desire in carving out time to sit with me and unpack my heart and to process and to work through my marriage and to teach me how to respond, how to respond with a gentle word rather than a fired up wrath that just stirs up anger, how to, how to love my kids and to process through, how to pray with them, how to, no women were ever interested in pouring into me. God forbid 
that that would be the testimony of this house. And so women, if you've ever had an encounter with Jesus, which I'm sure just about all of us have, we need to take that encounter and we need to dial in on some younger women. It's just what the Bible says, right? Right? This isn't just an opinion and it's not like a growth strategy. It's not like, hey, this is our new discipleship model. Nothing's new about this. Our older women turn around and find somebody, get their numbers, text them encouragement, do phone calls, get coffees, do what it takes. There was a season whenever all of our babies were tiny, and it is, we're trying to get bedtimes and bath and bed, and, you know, all this sort of stuff, and Alyssa started a thing called mom coffees, which means you can't even have coffee until like 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. Okay, finally the day is over, kids are in bed, and then that's whenever I'm, I'm good at being a dad, when they're all asleep. I'm like, all right, I can handle it. She would slip out, and she would meet with a couple other moms, and they would just start talking, man, this is how my day went, this is what's going on, and they would just like hear each other, pour into each other. You got to find time, and you got to make time, because time, it, it will run, and it'll be gone, and you'll fill it, you'll fill it with run into this game, you'll fill it with running over there, you'll fill it with Facebook, you'll fill it with your Instagram, you'll fill it with finding a filter that takes way too long, nobody cares what filter it was. You're going to fill it with stuff, and we're going to miss out on raising disciples. We're going to miss it. Not because life wasn't full, but because life wasn't fruitful. We missed it. This isn't just only for, for women, men as well. We need to find some of the sons of this house to be intentional in conversation. Paul instructs our older women here in verse 3. Verse 3, he says, train the young women. Or some translations would say, encourage the young women. When he talks about older women, that age would have probably been about 40 years old. Because by 40, most of the kids would have been grown and gone. They would have been having kids in their middle teenage years to late teenage years. And their kids would have been grown and gone by the time that they become 40. It says at that point, you're in a different season of life. If you're in that season of life, and not that it's an age. You might be like 45 and still have kids in the house. But I'm saying that if you have this, this season of life where, where you have now launched baby bird from the nest. There's probably a lot that you have to give to those that haven't yet. So he's, talk, he's talking about these women that have, they're already married, they've raised kids, they have this great example to pass on to younger women. I think in this house, particularly, we have a ton of experience. If we would go through and add up all of the age of, parent, of how, many, how long you've been a, a parent, we're probably talking a century, maybe more, of experience, of wins and losses. I could have done this better and this a little bit different. We're probably adding up centuries of marriage that we've been married for hundreds and hundreds of years in here. There is so much wisdom in this house to be given. The focus then for the younger women. The focus for the younger women is not just to sit back and wait for an older woman to come. I'll tell you, if you hunger after this thing, passion is proven in its pursuit. Pursue an older woman. Look around, we've got them. Look around, young men, we've got older men. If they've got gray hair or no hair, they qualify. Man or woman. 
Find them. That one landed a little bit later, but we got it. But find them. Hey, many times the teacher will appear when the student is ready. And so student, man, find somebody, call them, hassle them. It's like that, it's like that scripture where it says that the, that the person of the house, the, the owner of the house, he didn't want to let the servant end, but he kept knocking with callous knuckles. He refused to be denied until finally he was like, golly, I can't get any sleep around here. What do you want? I'll give it to you. Not that we want to be annoying, but man, do we want to be pursuing. Like, I'll leave it up to you to say no to me rather than me to say no to me. I remember there was a time in my life where I was so stinking hungry for mentors and leaders and spiritual fathers to be just take some time with me. And I would call a, a man in the church and he's like, I don't have time. I got to do gardening today. I go, great. Can I pull weeds with you? Can I, can I dump the, the dirt for you? Can, can I plant flowers with you? I don't care. But while, while we're there, can I just be in it with you? And then we can just talk about whatever. Well, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know, know what I would say. I, I know what I'm hungry for. Can I just ask some questions? There was such a hunger that I would do whatever. Women, you might be saying, I, how am I going to fit this in? Invite that, that person over and say, I'm doing laundry today. Now all of a sudden you got free help. Can you fold laundry and we can talk about being a mama? We can talk about, you know what, my marriage at one point was hanging in the balance. But this is what we did. And this is how we powered through we got to invite them into our lives. Because if you're just going to plan on, I don't have time for that coffee. I don't have time for whatever. You know what they really need is life on life. They see it. They see it close up. I lived with my pastor for five years. I sat at his dinner table. Now, he was an amazing preacher, communicator, speaker, taught lessons. But I learned way more from him at the kitchen table than I ever did from the pulpit. So I, wa- I watched him how he handled his wife right there. I watched him how he missed it with his kids. I watched him how he went back and asked for forgiveness to his five-year-old. I watched it close. Like, we need life-on-life discipleship. Not only just professional programming. Like, hey, we do discipleship, and it happens on Tuesdays at 530. No, no, no. We do life discipleship. Come, be with me. And life life discipleship, sometimes for me, it looks like a... A locker room, it looks like a school bus, it looks like a basketball court, it looks like a tennis court, it looks like a nursing home, it looks like a Quaker church, it, look, it can look like anything. And for you, it might look like your kitchen, it might look like a coffee shop, it might look like the laundry room, it might look like a lot of different things. But discipleship doesn't have to only happen in this room. Invite a man. Just begin to invite a man. If you're going to sit at the, at the parade, invite somebody else to join you. And just watch, let, let them watch you, how you play with your kids and go get candy and knock other kids over and steal candy. and Like, teach them. <laughs> teach them how to do it. But be a little bit more intentional with our time. I'll tell you this. Discipleship is hanging in the balance of intentionality. That's what it hangs on. Discipleship is hanging on this really thin line and it's so easy for it just to break down if there's not intentionality in the people to be intentional to reach out to make that call to get with people I was so hopeful we were going to get through this verse I've only got like four more pages of notes can I go just a couple more minutes 
Thanks, guys. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. And this verse usually makes men want to run because it's, it's painful for us men. But there's some, there's some tough stuff in here for women. And I want to read this. In verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you would to the Lord. <laughs> Hard stop. Wait a minute, Paul. Surely you're clowning around. To the degree that I submit to God, I got to submit to this clown? He can't even pick his own underwear up off the floor. I got to submit to this? He still uses his t-shirt as a napkin. Like, come on. Like, surely the caveman. Like, I got to submit to that guy? God, I'm I'm cool with. Um, Kevin? No, I'm not so much. Okay, well, he says that the, the husband, he's been set up as the, as the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church and his body, of which he's the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit to their husbands in only things that they want to. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, shoot. Mm -mm. Oh, this is so hard. I'm not even going to expound on it. I'll just let you wrestle with the scriptures, okay? Submit to your husband in everything. Okay. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish but holy and blameless in the same way husbands you ought to love their wives as their own uh, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife he loves himself after all no one ever hated his own body but They feed and care for their bodies just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united only to his wife, the two become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let me just break down one quick word here that is incredibly helpful, this word submission. Word submission is this. It's two parts. It's sub- Sub means to come under. It's like a submarine. Okay? A submarine goes under water. It's like a substitute teacher. A substitute isn't the real teacher. They submit under the real teacher. Okay? And then mission. Mission is the purpose and the plan. It's the call of God upon your life. It's what you get up in the morning to do. And so it says, wives, come underneath the mission that God has put upon this man. Men, the pressure now pivots to us, not for her to submit, but for you to get after a mission. For you to get up, get after it. I'll tell you, if you want to spend four hours a day playing a video game, she's probably not going to submit to that. She's not fired up about that guy. She's not like, oh man, I can't wait for him to lead. While he shoots his fake gun and does pretend battles so he can go save a pretend princess. While I'm over here dying. 
How about you battle and fight for me to have my heart come alive? How about you pour your guts into other men? How about you disciple our children? How about you go to work and provide? How about, now that's a man that I'm willing to, to, to submit to. And also this, it's a, he says that you're also called to lay your life down to the, the same way that Christ laid his life down for his bride. I just can't help but believe there's not any woman of God that's willing to submit to a man of God who's willing to die for her and who lives with a passionate, fiery, compelling, white-hot mission. Men, the pressure's on us to live in such a way that we become no-brainers. It's like, dude, this guy's a no-brainer. Of course I want to follow him. Of course I want to submit to him and what he says. Not that, he's, that he perfectly does it, but effectively he's doing these things. One more point I want to make with this. What do we do, wives, if we have an unbelieving husband? Like, man, that sounds great if he's all fired up and he's loving Jesus. What do I do with an unbelieving husband? Paul speaks on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, the women which have an unbelieving husband, if he, is, uh, if he be pleased to, to dwell with her or if he's down for still being married with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they become holy. There is something that you can do, believing wife, for your unbelieving husband. The way that you live in such a way that the face and the favor of God can be upon you, that he begins just to show love and favor upon your husband. It's like... It's like there's this glory upon you. It's like secondhand smoke almost. It's like secondhand glory, if you will. It's like I, I want to, many times when we read in scripture, it's like not only are you saved, but you and your household have been saved. I just want you to stay in it, praying wife, believing wife, to stay in the game. And I know that there are testimonies in here, and it, and it almost just makes me emotional to think of all of these women that have stayed in the game and prayed for their husbands and they battled and they fought and he now is saved. Or he had an encounter with God. Or he just gave himself to work, but something shifted and now he wants to worship. Or he even stepped out of, outside of marriage and that heart was just broke. But you stayed and you stayed in the game and God began to turn his heart back. And, and because of you staying, God was able to bring him back and sanctify him. I want to encourage you women, whether he's good or whether he's not as good, stay in it. Stay faithful. The biggest piece, that I want to, and I want to end with this, is women, find somebody else that you can be pouring into. Please do it. And younger women, get hungry for it. And pursue it. I'll, I'll tell you one of the trickiest things to do is to lead a church that's multi-generational. Trying to hit this pocket and you're trying to hit this pocket and you're trying to hit this pocket of people. But the beauty is that it looks like the kingdom of God is that it's multi-generational. Where the body of Christ has so much to offer one another. And let's not withhold it. But let's give it freely one to another. Would you all stand with me as we close in prayer this morning? With that, I want to make two little announcements. We have a women's group that meets here Wednesday nights. Our women's group, led by Carla Shelton, they're going through the book of James. Heard a powerful testimony just this morning about how God is, is moving 
and women, and I mean, just, just moving their hearts in tears, the word of God washing and cleansing over them, breakthrough and power that they're coming through. So right here, Wednesday evenings. There's also a brand new one for some young ladies, Muscle House Ministry. It's led by Melissa and Valley, and they are doing uh, specifically geared towards young women, okay? So if you are junior high, high school, college, this is the time for you, and this would be a great opportunity for, for you to get involved and get some women to pour into you as well. So come talk to them. They're both right here in these, these first couple rows, all right, if we need to be connected and, and plugged in. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the challenge, this, uh, the word of God that, that uh, man, it, it pierces hearts and challenges us for more to go deeper and to give our lives away. God, I pray that we would be intentional in relationship. God, I pray that you would put a, a, a passion to pursue mentors and, uh, and wisdom inside of others. God, I pray that this would be the body of Christ that ministers well one to another. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.